The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, this is Taylor Vipolis, and on this podcast, we've got a Tar Heel football legend and the current cornerbacks coach at FIU, Bryn Renner, joining us, whose team is coming off a huge win against the Miami Hurricanes. And then, as always, we have Deems May, who will help break down the Mercer game and look ahead to NC State. Hope you enjoy it. Joining me now on the podcast, we have a Tar Heel football legend and the current FIU cornerbacks coach, Bryn Renner, on the line. We're going to get into a bunch of North Carolina questions, but I have to start out by talking about your FIU Panthers. Pause up over here. Coming off the biggest win in school history against Miami, 30-24, to but the score really doesn't do that game justice because of the fact FIU dominated that game from start to finish. What was Saturday like for you, and how proud are you of your team? Yeah, it was great. First off, I'm, I'm glad to be on with you, Viv. It's good to catch up. But for our players and, and here at FIU in the last three years of what they endured and kind of their whole careers to come down to that one game and, and, and to beat Miami, you know, at a neutral field at Marlins Park, it was really special for the kids. And I think, you know, the whole game, we kind of dominated and controlled it, but it was because their week of preparation. And I'm just really happy for our, for our seniors and, and kind of our leadership of our team right now. You guys were a 20-and-a-half-point underdog going into that game against Miami. What was your message to the players before that game and the week leading up to it? Because I'm sure no one outside of your building believed in you guys and even thought you guys had a chance in that game. You know, it was really laser-focused. And I think we kind of, we've had a lot of phrases that we used throughout the season. It was kind of, we're coming off a bye week, and let's, let's get back to, you know, focus on ourselves. We're sitting at 5-and-5. Five five. And let's go play with laser focus and laser intensity. And, you know, I, I really think that's what it came down to, Vip. It was, it was kind of just a microcosm of how we practiced as well. You know, we were really intense and intentional, and we were really deliberate with our practice. Hey, let's get better at this thing and, and focus on ourselves, you know, with, with drill work and kind of getting back to everything we did in training camp and make the game simple again for our kids. And I'll always say it, as long as I'm coaching, players make plays. And we had really good players step up and make plays. I mean, we forced three turnovers on the night, had a plus three turnover margin, and kind of stopped their momentum before they could get going. And, uh, you know, I think defensively, we did a heck of a job just getting it. We had a fourth down stop by Sage Lewis, 
And just little things like that give you momentum, and it really carried us on throughout the whole game. That was FIU's first win against a Power 5 team, so without question the biggest win Mm -hmm. in school history. How do you now as a staff build off that momentum for the future? Well, I think, you know, the blueprint for for college football is recruiting, and I think the biggest thing we can do is is now, you know, going into year three, having a monumental win like that, the biggest in school history, like you said, and, you know, FIU is kind of different. It's unique. So when I got here three years ago uh, as the director of recruiting, um, you know, my job was to assemble the best players I could, and it hasn't hasn't been too hard doing that in the state of Florida, but now – Shifting our focus, we've had eight wins the first year, go to a bowl game, play Temple, um, and then last year have nine wins, go to the Bahamas Bowl and win it and beat Toledo and get some national recognition. And then obviously we make you know national recognition by beating a really, really good Miami team and taking that into recruiting. So I think you know the cycle that we have built down here and the blueprint that we're doing in the state of Florida with all the high school coaches and the great high school football that you have down here can only expand from here, and we're looking forward you know, to keeping this thing rolling. And, and we got a tough one this week at Marshall. And so, you know, we were talking about it today and you got to shift your focus and kind of get back to, again, if you want to have that feeling that we had on Saturday night, you got to go practice for it and, and obviously go play well on the road against a good Marshall team. FIU in 13 years before Butch got there only had two bowl appearances. And now you guys are bowl eligible for the third straight year under him. Why do you think, you've been able to find so much success so quickly at a school that previously struggled to even put together winning seasons? I think it's about the people in the building. I think that it starts from the top. I think, uh, you know, I truly say this, I might be a little bit biased, but I truly think Coach Davis is the best coach in college football history. You know, the teams that he assembled at Miami um, and also North Carolina and and, and things like that, his whole entire career, um, you know, he's the last coach to take the Browns to the playoffs. I mean, his leadership model and blueprint of expectation for the entire building really, really comes down on every single coach, every single support staff member, everybody in the building, especially our players. And it's a, it's a, you know, a tribute to him of what he's done, you know, kind of giving us leadership roles and responsibilities over the last three years. But, you know, there's so much talent here Vip, in, in the Florida area and, and so many kids that want an opportunity to go play football that, you know, we're really reaping the benefits of really good recruiting and, and passing a character test that we have. And so we go through diligently through about, you know, 12, 12 months out of the year, we're recruiting nonstop and, get, and finding the kids that fit our program, fit our character mold, and, and kids that really, really love football. And I think you saw that on Monday night is we had a bunch of kids that really loved playing football on a big stage, nationally televised game, and they worked their tails off for, for four years at this university, and it showed – and I uh, couldn't be more proud of them. But, you know, I think that that goes back to it is, is the blueprint that Coach Davis has for us as a whole building and as a university. And we kind of just try to follow his lead. And, and it's been working so far. What has been the biggest challenge for you as you've transitioned from your playing days into a career in coaching? I think the biggest challenge is knowing that you can't control the game as much as you would like. You know, um, I think when you're playing, I always, you know, I always had the, kind of energy of, of being able to control the game and throw a pass here and, and being able to, to control a game with your playing ability, but really you have to control it with your mind. And I think that's the funnest thing that I've tried to do in transformation from being a player because you can run on the field and, and go make a pass and make a play and complete a third down, but it's kind of like playing Madden with the computer. So you better tell the computer what to do in the week leading up 
So on Saturdays, they can go play free. And I've really done, you know, I try to do the best job I can of keeping it simple for the kids. Um, you know, obviously coaching defense, I've been blessed with Coach Davis putting me on that side of the ball because I've been, really had a good chance to learn. And um, learning from a great group, Coach Kopp, our defense coordinator, has done a great job with me and kind of just growing me and molding me and, uh, you know, following his lead. But I think that's the biggest thing is trying to keep it simple for the kids so they can go play on Saturday because, you know, obviously being a player, you can kind of see it from their eyes as well of what they need and how to take care of their body. And you've done it before, so you kind of just got to put it in them and hopefully on Saturday go out and play well. You spent time in the NFL with the Steelers, the Chargers, the Titans, the Ravens, and the Broncos. What do you think you learned the most in those experiences that has helped you in your football career? I couldn't, I couldn't ask for better mentors and leadership. You know, I was with Peyton, Peyton Manning, obviously, the first year in Denver. And then I got a chance to be with Joe Flacco, Philip Rivers, um, you know, Marcus Mariota, and Mike Tomlin, and John Fox, and, and Harbaugh, and just a ton of good Hall of Fame-type minds that taught me leadership and how to be the same guy every single day and how to, how to mature and grow up as a man. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is how do you be a pro? How do you how do you, every single day your job's on the line and a lot of people are counting you counting on you to have responsibility and that's what you really try to preach to those kids. So the biggest thing for me is what I learned is I took bits and pieces from everybody that I could and be a sponge and soaked everything up in the NFL and had a great career and I enjoyed it. But I think my ultimate calling was to be a coach so I can give it back to these kids and so they can have the same experience that I did. For your first couple of years at FIU, you were the recruiting coordinator. Now you get promoted and you're the cornerbacks coach and you can actually go out on the road and recruit. Do you ever feel bad for other coaches who are trying to convince players to come to the middle of nowhere and say like Iowa <laughs> compared to where you're where you're in Miami and it's, it's 75 degrees in January? Well, Vip, it was 85 today. So we, we weren't doing too bad. I was in the pool swimming a little bit. But uh, no, I, I think that's the biggest thing that you learn is you know, it's obviously the, the, the demographic of where you are, and we're very fortunate to, you know, go out and play golf and go out and, and have sun shining and, and be able to go outside with no hoodies on. And I think the biggest thing is, is you go try to get the best people you can. Hey, how's your family? You know, what type of kids do you want to be around for four years? And that's the ultimate commitment that they make to you, but also you're selling yourself on, hey, we can make you a good football player, but we're also going to grow you up as a man. And I'm really fortunate to to work for a head coach in Butch Davis that I played for and that sat on my living room and told my mom and dad, hey, I'll take care of your son. And he sure as heck did that, and he's still doing it to this day. So I think that's kind of the, the biggest selling point is the people that you're around is almost family. And, you know, uh, it is family to me that he's done so much for me that I want to give it back to those kids and say, look, you know, you can go to the NFL and have a great career, and then you, you have everything that you need because you're going to grow up and be a man and be mature. And I think that's the biggest thing that we try to preach. But it really, really doesn't hurt, Zip, that it's 85, 95 degrees every single day and you're in South Florida. Going off that family aspect, from playing for him to now being a part of his coaching staff, how would you describe your relationship with Butch Davis? You know, he, he, my, my dad was in town this weekend with my mom to see the Miami game, and we had a great time in the locker room. And Coach Davis is my second dad. And I have a great father and my dad, and he coached me in high school. And I'm just so blessed to have a mom and dad, you know, and then have two of them with Miss Davis and Coach Davis and Drew. You know, I got a whole second family 
that cares about me, and, and that's that's rare in this in this profession. And I can't thank him enough for what he's done. But my relationship it goes deeper than football, but also for him to teach me the game and pull me aside and, and say, hey, look, just just look at the quarterback's drop right there. If he's back foot, he's got to get that ball out. Or especially a DB, you know, learning the whole cornerback position, learning defense. And I learned so much from him the first two years of how to build a team. And I think that's going to carry me further is, okay, how do you manage a team and manage a roster? How do you build a team? And how do you go get a kid, you know, from Carroll City and, 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 and make him who the player he needs to be? And you've got to be on these kids' academics. They're just teaching you the whole of how to build a program because he's done it in three different places and at the highest level. So if I have any aspirations, I'm, I'm, I'm just a sponge, you know, and I can't. I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me, but also I'm really looking forward to kind of carrying on his legacy uh, of, of doing that. Take us back to a young Bryn Renner in high school. What was your recruiting oh, process like in high school, and how did you wind up oh, ultimately deciding to play at North Carolina? Because I'm sure you had a ton of offers. I think you were you know, a top-five quarterback in that class. How did you wind up at North Carolina? Zip, you're aging me, man. Come on now. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. So I, you know, I, I had a really, really good experience, and obviously, like I said, I had a really good help. My dad was a college football player at Virginia Tech and played professionally, and so he, he knew that he knew the drill, and he, but he let it be my decision. So you know, I was like you said, I was coming out. You know, I was a Elite Eleven guy. I had really good, you know, experience of, of the talent around the country, and I think that's the biggest thing for me is I wanted to go somewhere else and build something. You know, you these kids nowadays they want to kind of go and go and you know, test the waters somewhere, but they don't go for the people. I wanted to go to the NFL and probably more than anything. And so I had to be around NFL-minded people. And when I sat down with Coach, it was a different deal. He came in my living room. I'll never forget it. came to the game. Uh, we were playing the state semifinals against Oakton. And he came to the game, and they had a game the next day, and that really meant a lot to me. So, you know, getting around Coach and getting around Coach Shoup, our quarterback, coach, and offense coordinator, and him having the NFL blueprint of, hey, we're going to run NFL stuff. If you want to come here, it's going to be a minor league system, and we'll get you where you need to go. That was the biggest selling point for me, and also the location. You know, Chapel Hill is a beautiful place, as you know. Shoot, I love it to death. And I blew Tar Hill blue every single day, you know, minus, minus Panther blue while, while I'm coaching. But I'm telling you now, it, it's, it's an electric thing when Coach Davis came and sat on, my, sat on my living room table, had dinner with my mom, and said, we'll take care of your son. And I think that's the biggest thing that was the selling point for me is I knew that I could get to the highest level if I worked my tail off and, and you know, did my academics and did everything I needed to do off the field that I would have the best chance to go play in the NFL. And I think ultimately when a kid makes a decision, it's got to be his own, you know, and, and he's got to have some help around him to know that's the best thing for him. And I think the best thing for me was to go play for Butch Davis in North Carolina. Now, I don't want to start any controversies. But who is the best player to ever come out of the Springfield, Virginia area, out of the Patriot Conference uh, for North Carolina? Because I've well, heard it's you. I've heard it's Nick Weiler. I need you to decide uh, this. So, you know, I, you know, obviously Nick is a good friend of mine. He obviously went to Lake Braddock and never beat me in high school in football, baseball, or basketball. So, you know, three sports they really tried. West Springfield, Lake Braddock, big-time rivalry in the uh, D.C. metro area. You know, I'm not going to toot my own horn. I was an all-met player. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of good players. I will say this. You know, Mike Glennon, Sean Glennon, uh, they came out of there. We lost to Mike Glennon my junior year when he was coming out, but beat him when we were at Carolina. So that makes me feel a lot better uh, inside. So we got him in the end. But Nick was a really, really good high school football player and obviously had a great college career. And 
our families are really close, and, and I, Nick's a great friend of mine. So I will give the nod to Nick. I'll give the nod to Nick because I know I'm going to get a text and get some feedback from this. So I'll give him that. <laughs> now, I'll also say I'll give a shout-out to Mike Niebrick. Mike Niebrick was a heck of a player and broke some of my records. But I will give Niebrick this. My dad was his offensive coordinator calling the plays, so he had a little help. So there's a lot of good talent from the, from the uh, V area, two up, two down, 703 till I die. But, uh, no, man, it's, it's a great place, and, and I'm, I'm really good friends with all you guys. It's awesome. How much preparation went into being a starting quarterback at North Carolina on a week-to-week basis? I, I know I saw it firsthand, but I feel like fans kind of overlook how much work and effort the quarterback specifically put into learning the game plan. I think that's my favorite part of it, Vip, if I had to answer one thing, the preparation. It's so much fun when you show up on a Sunday and get a game plan and you get to look at tape. I mean, it's addicting. It's, it's really, you know, that's why I love being a coach. That's why I just always loved football. But I think the best thing I was taught at a young age is how to prepare. I had a great mentor and one of my best friends is TJ Yates, who was before me. And we call it the gun club. You know that. The gun club is a, is a fraternity that prepares, a fraternity that, that knows how to play the quarterback position, but it's all about preparation. And I was very, very fortunate to have, you know, guys in front of me of, hey, this is how much film you got to watch. And I told our kids, you know, circling back to when we beat Miami, is how you prepare during the week is how you're going to play. So if you don't watch film and try to show up for a test on Saturday and you're an entertainer, if you don't put a good product on the field, no one's going to show up to the game and you're going to feel like crap. So how you prepare and how I always saw it, especially from the quarterback position, you're the CEO of the company. So you, you got the keys to, to everybody's car. You control wins and losses. People's jobs are on the line. So I was taught at a young age, hey, look, you're the CEO of the company. You better handle yourself in first class, and you better be prepared. And I think the best thing that, that I did was prepare. I think, you know, I was very, very average talent-wise. But if you don't, if you don't know coverage and you don't know where, where everybody needs to go, and when you break the huddle, if, if all those guys don't believe in you, you know, all those 10 other guys, they got to believe in you and, and believe that you prepare. It gives everybody a peace of mind. And I, I, I think that's one thing that kind of prepare, prepared me for the next level, in the NFL level, because so I was ready to go, and, and that's how you prepare. But you're ultimately the CEO of the company, and you control a lot. A lot more things go on to be a college quarterback than you think of coming out of high school. You're like, oh, it's going to be great to be the quarterback. No, there's a lot of people with million-dollar jobs that don't want to lose those. And if you go out there and don't perform to your best of your, your ability, they're going to treat you a little bit different. I never wanted to let the team down. And I tell my guys all the time, you never want to drive home and, and, and have that conversation with your mom and dad and, and, and in the back of your head, you didn't give it everything you had. So that's what I try to preach to the guys, but that's really how, how you know, I learned is you're the CEO of the company. You control a lot of people's livelihoods. The gun club at one point in that quarterback yeah. room consisted of yourself, Marquise Williams, and Mitch Trubisky. Looking back, mm-hmm. that is just a crazy amount of talent and a crazy run that you guys were all able to have at North Carolina. What was the bond like in that position group between you all and Coach Anderson? And why do you think the three of you were all able to find so much on the field success? I think I'll describe it in one word, competitiveness. You know me, Vip, and you know Mitch, and you know Queese. And it was not a day that we didn't compete. And, you know, I think that's what's fun about football. And that's why I love it is because you get to compete with really good – you know, you get to compete with your best friends. So, you know – it was every single day, hey, I'm going to beat you in target throwing. No, you're not. And, and you worked and you pushed each other. And I think the competitiveness ultimately brings out the best side of you. If you have everything easy and you have 
nobody to compete with, you're really not challenging yourself. And I think that's what, that what that's what makes sports great, and that's what makes what we did Saturday great is because you have to go perform and you have to go compete. And when you're in a quarterback room with Mitch and Queese and all those guys, you better bring your, your A game every single day or you might not play. And I'll never forget, you know, I think the best thing that happened to me is when I got hurt and Queese took over and Queese did a heck of a job. But I knew he was going to because he prepared. Just like we talked about, he was the CEO of the company. We're just passing off, hey, you're the CEO now, bro. You got to go. And that's what great talent, but also the preparation. And also that's what the gun club is. It's, hey, look, it's a fraternity. Hey, we're going to pass it down. And this is how hard you got to work if you want success on Saturdays. And I, I, I can't tell you how much fun that was. And, shoot, I'm getting older now. I'm about to be 30 in January, Vip. So I lean back on those memories and still talk to Coach Henderson and stuff like that. So we had some great times I'll never forget. I'm coming down to Miami for the 30th birthday. We'll, we'll get the bottle hey, service going. Down, <laughs> hey, come on down, man. Come on down, Miami Knights. While you were at North Carolina, you played for three head coaches. What was your first impression of Coach Fedora when he was hired, and how important was it for you as the leader in that locker room to get the guys to buy into his message early to have a successful season like you guys did in 2012? I think being a coach's son helped me out because I knew the ebbs and flows of that job and that responsibility, and I knew, like I'll go back and say it, the quarterback's got to be the CEO. You know, whatever happened, I was out of my control. I wanted to play football. I came to North Carolina to play football. Whoever the coach is, I believe in and I support, and, and we're going to go do this thing. And I think Coach Fedora and I had a great relationship because he understood that I understood that we got to go get this thing. we got to go win. And ultimately, as a player, you control the game. Like I just said, coach, coaches don't – coaches coach on, on, you know, during the week. You have no control on Saturday unless you didn't, unless you prepared. And so I knew that from Coach Fedora, and I think he respected me enough to say, hey, look, you know, let's let, let you lead this thing, and, 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 we'll, and we'll kind of take you out of your comfort zone from going to pro style to spread, and we'll walk you through it. And obviously I had great teammates. I mean, I, I honestly will say this looking back, we had probably one of the most talented teams to ever come through Carolina with Gio, Eric Ebron, James Hurst, Jonathan Cooper, Russell Bodine, Travis Bond, Brennan Miller, I mean, Brennan Williams, Eric Highsmith. We have guys that set records that are still there today. I mean, you get the best running back in school history to, in my opinion, to run in the rock. And we go eight and four the first year in 2012 and win the ACC title game and could have played EJ Manuel in the Florida State. Sorry, I had to bring that up. Still, we didn't play. <laughs> but, you know, you, you do all that stuff and you work so hard that Coach Fedora was really welcoming to us. He's like, hey, you guys go do the darn thing. We'll, we'll, we'll do this thing together. And I think that's the biggest thing is when the players take ownership like we did in 2012 then as a coach, you feel comfortable because, hey, look, coach, what do you need? Uh, you know, hey, what do you, what do you need us to do? Hey, who do we need to go get? Who's not going to class? And when you work together from a coach and player's perspective and take ownership over it, you can really take off and have some success. Besides a lot of talent on the field, it was a very close-knit group in that locker room and a mm-hmm. lot of guys that like to have fun together. What was the story behind the fainting goat video? Because – and for those for those people who don't know what I'm talking about, you could go on YouTube and search prank on Bryn Renner. I was over on the scout team for the defense, uh, working with the defense, so I, I missed what happened. What's the story behind that? That's a great story. And so we played Coach Bell this year at UMass, and, and he was kind of the originator of the of the fainting goat. So um, we played actually Wake Forest, and uh, if everybody doesn't know, I got 
hit at the goal line pretty, pretty hard and uh, actually passed out on the field, came in and finished the game with the mild concussion, mild enough to play. And so, um, you know, it was, a, it was a good time. So we're actually running the trick play towards the end of the, um, end of the practice. And I'm a very intense guy during practice. Like, I, I want to make sure everything's perfect. You know, everything's got to go right because I want it to be right on Saturday. So they didn't tell me they were going to, you know, get down on the knee. So we're throwing a double pass to, to uh, Eric Ebron. He's going to throw it back to Gio, and we're going to run it on Saturday. And everyone just goes to the ground. And they've already been getting on my case all week about, hey, you passed out on the field, you fainted, you know, you passed out. They're, they're teasing me a little bit in the locker room. So, you know, they kind of decided to get under my skin at practice, which is a good time to do it because I'm a very intense competitor. And they got me pretty good. So kudos to them. It's still going viral. Oh, trust me, our kids have pulled it up about 19 times since I've been here for three years. Yeah, it's a video that has crazy. over a million views on YouTube now. Oh, I trust me. It's it's like I'm going viral <laughs> for the wrong things. Viv. That ain't good, man. When you look back at your career at UNC, and I know there's going to be a ton of moments that you could pick from, what were some of the most memorable on-field moments for you personally? I think, uh, you know, two things. I think just the experience you have in college that you have memories of with your buddies. Uh, you know, you get your, your best friends, you're playing football, and you're giving blood, sweat, and tears. And I think when you work hard for something and you, you give it everything you have and you look back and you're like, man, that was awesome. Because you get old and, and you're like, man, I really wish I could go out there and still throw it. You know, you, you really wish you could run out the tunnel one more time. And I think, obviously, for the on-the-field moment, just – the NC State game when we beat them after five years. I mean, you experienced that. I mean, that, that, was, that was almost like, you know, everything that you put in and have a win like that and have Gio return the punt, it's an iconic moment that you were a part of that you can always go back to Chapel Hill, which is the best place on earth, in my opinion, to play college football. To go back and to relive that memory and say, man, I can bring my kids here one day and say I was a part of the five-year run and, and Gio returned the punt and you – you just develop that relationship. That's why you play sports, and that's why you work so hard every week is to have moments like we did against Miami. Those kids will never forget that moment in their entire life. And you're proud you can share it with them because you saw their hard work. And that's the same thing I experienced in college, which is, you know, why, why I love football and why I'm a football junkie. And as Barstool says, I'm a football guy. I love it. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is, is that, that memory I'll never have when Gio returned that punt in beat State. You are, this is the last question I have for you, and then I'll let you get out of here. You are third in passing yards and second in passing touchdowns all time at the University of North Carolina now, where you wind up finishing, still up for debate because it's looking like Sam Howell is coming for all these records. But what's, <laughs> no it like, what's it like for you to think of that you put up these kind of numbers at a school as big as North Carolina? You know, I, I think it's very humbling. Obviously, you know, you when you recruit really good players like Coach Davis and Coach Fedora did, it makes my job easy. I mean, I had Eric Ebron. I had Dwight, Dwight Jones. I had Josh Adams at one point. I had Eric Highsmith. Eric Highsmith was an absolute stud. And you had Giovanni Bernard, who you're checking down to. You had my boy, A.J. Blue, who's still doing the dang thing. He's going to be the best strength coach in the freaking country. And we're going to work together one day. Is, is you're around really good players that you don't want to let them down. I go back to that. You know, I look, stats out the window. Those guys, being the leader of those guys, you can never take that away from me. I, I want to get in that huddle so bad 
and, and say, hey, let's do this thing one more time. Let's go make a drive. And that, I'm getting goosebumps and chills because that's why you play. It's not about, hey, look, touchdowns come and go. But those guys had to catch it. Those guys had to come in the summer and get extra work. Those guys had to hit me up and say, you know, hey, let's go, let's go run some more sprints. Hey, I need to run a comeback one more time. I didn't get my depth. Hey, it was cover four right there. The little things about football that can be off by one second or one, one inch, and it's not a touchdown. But you work on those things in the offseason, and then you have that success. And like I said, it's not about me. I, I don't really care. They're not going to remember me when I'm, when I'm old and gray, but I'll, I'll have those moments and those memories with my friends like you for the rest of my life. Bryn, good luck this upcoming week against Marshall and in your bowl game. Um, I know I speak for a lot of people when I say we're all rooting for you, and it was great getting to the chance to catch up with you. Vip, and you do a heck of a job, man. I follow you on Twitter. Everybody follow Vip on Twitter. He does a great job. That's how I get all my Carolina info. And uh, give everybody my best, and I'll be back in Chapel Hill to go to He's Not and, and Bob's at some point, but then we'll all catch up. So And then the 30th birthday everybody. party in Miami. People might have hey, an Miami open invitation. Nice. Come on down. <laughs> Come on down. Open invite, everybody. Thanks, so. Brent. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. All right, we're going to move to talking with Deems May. But first, I just wanted to take a break to remind everyone about Johnny T-Shirt. Family and alumni owned and operated, they are your go-to shop for all things Carolina apparel. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill for any reason, like an upcoming basketball game, make sure to stop by Johnny T-Shirt for all your Carolina apparel. With the winter weather coming now is the perfect time to stock up on your Carolina hoodies or jackets, and there isn't a better place to visit than Johnny T-Shirt. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, you could visit them online at johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget, Inside Carolina premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. Okay, let's get to Dean's. Joining me now on the podcast, as he does every week, we have Tar Heel football letterman and the current radio analyst for the Tar Heels, Deems May. North Carolina picked up a huge win, one game closer to the bowl game against Mercer, 56-7. to What were your overall thoughts from the Mercer game? I think just um, very pleased with how efficient we were, how um, we ended up, uh, you know, putting them away early, uh, not not messing around with them a whole lot, um, running the ball extremely well. I think we almost averaged a first down every time we every time we touched the ball, and uh, I'm 9.2 yards a carry. I think it is. It's going to be huge going into this week. Uh, but ball, you know, ball security, how we took care of the ball, and again, Sam Howell's accuracy in, in really tough conditions was 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 ex- extremely impressive as well. My biggest takeaway was that, you know, this is what it's supposed to look like when you play an FCS-level team. And although it was against the lesser opponent, North Carolina, they have to be proud of the fact that they went out and they handled their business and they didn't play down to their opponent like we've seen at points throughout the years, right? Yeah, I totally agree with that. There's been some some what we call those check games and these teams that come in here just for a check, and, and we've let them hang around. We've ended up – uh, again, a, a great a great analogy, playing down to their level. That just wasn't the case. Um, you know, that wasn't the case Saturday. Came out, um, created a turnover on the first play, uh, ran the ball four or five straight times, jumped right back on them, another three and out. And before you knew it, um, the route was on. We were able to get some young guys in there, get our starters out. Um, by the end, you know, by the end of the first half, um, the starters didn't come back in the second half. Got some good rotation on the D-line. 
I think enough, just one thing that probably concerns me more than anything was um, no sacks in the first half. Again, our, our D-line just looked, you know, they were standing up a little bit. So uh, hopefully um, this was a little bit of a rest for them too, and, and they can somehow find a way to generate some pass rush uh, this coming Saturday night. This team, I think it was clear that they're a team that's having fun, and you saw that late in the game when starters like Antonio Williams are getting excited for players that normally don't get to get into games. How fun is that for you as a former player, not only seeing players get a chance, but also the older guys on this team engaged on the sideline rooting for their teammates? Yeah, and see, it brings back good memories, you know, of – of wanting to see the guys that are young or backups that, that haven't had a chance to get in the games this year because every game's been so close. And for them, they, they put in just as much work and effort as, as the starter. So for them to come in and, and, and be able to have some fun and knock some people out on kickoff and, and, and just have some good times and, and see, you know, their, their fellow teammates over there cheering them on, is, it shows a lot of camaraderie. Uh, within this team, which I think makes it such a likable team for all the fans out there. And Antonio Williams has probably been the leader of that, just probably just been the guy that's kind of been the glue the whole year. And and, and I know Coach Brown uh, reiterated that. So um, it, it was a game that we needed, a game that if any team in college football deserved would be North Carolina after, you know, just every game coming down to the wire and multiple overtimes and just – it was just a much-needed uh, break away from the grind that they've had for, for so many weeks. While the fans might not like this game, these were always my favorite games as a player, as a walk-on, because some memories from my playing days, it was Coach Brewer and Mac Hollins, and when we were playing like North Carolina A&T leading up to that week, they were like, I want to beat these guys so bad that, you know, you, you get the chance to go in the game and you get the chance to go out and make plays. But against Mercer, like you had mentioned, UNC, they got the chance to play more players. How do you think those live game reps will pay off for the program in the years to come? I, I don't know how much it will right now. I think um, just to see some of these guys, you know, get get the rotations going in. Um, I, I don't know how far down in the future it will. At least it won't be um, – it can't hurt, that's for sure. I just think that you need to be in there against good competition. But but to be able to get in there and get the game flow going, and and and, and I, I noticed we were rotating D linemen so much more even in the first quarter before the game got out of hand, and and that that made me feel really good that we were going to try to do that. And and uh, and so uh, I just think for a standpoint of putting it all together for this last game on Saturday, it was really good. How much it will help in the future, I don't know because the competition wasn't very good. All right, let's take one last quick break for a word from our sponsors. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. 
new criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Okay, we're back. Switching our attention now to the NC State game. If you're UNC, how do you stay mentally prepared and not over-anxious knowing that there's so much on the line for this game between bowl eligibility and it also being a rivalry game? That's a, that's a great question. I don't know. I do not know the answer to that. I think that's got to come from the leadership. Um, the coaches uh, can try it as much as they possibly can to keep everybody's feet on the ground, but everybody knows the stakes. And and the thing that's going to really help um, – I believe will help us in this game is, is just how many close games we've been in. What we're going to see on, on Saturday night is nothing we haven't seen in the first, you know, 11 weeks. So um, that's got to help. The, the number of close games we've been in now, the, the, the anxiousness and the anxiety and the, and the eagerness to get out there and, 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 and win a game against a rivalry to get to a bowl game, how people are going to react is going to be very interesting to see. Um, that that's something that I do not know how to handle. That's why these coaches get paid a whole lot. And hopefully you got some of these, these seniors and, and some of these guys to calm people down, get them ready. You know, it, it's not just another game, but it, in, in, in the big sense, it is just another opponent and you got to go out there, but you got to, you got to not let your emotions get in the way. They're going to be, it's going to be chippy. They're going to try to induce some people. They're going to take some low shots. There's just going to be some things that happen that we've got to keep our cool on. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we've got a good enough leadership on both sides of the ball from our seniors in those huddles to calm people down, stay out of the jawing match, and just let your pads do the talking. NC State is coming off a loss, a horrible loss against Georgia Tech. They've been eliminated from bowl contention with that loss. How do you think that changes their mindset coming into this game with this being their you know, de facto bowl game. Yeah, I, you know, the thing that I kind of equate their game at Georgia Tech to to maybe our game at Wake Forest, our game against Appalachian or something, where we, we just kind of slept walk through the first half. And I know Georgia Tech was beaten badly, uh, maybe 42 or 45 to nothing the week before. So these kids look at these games the week before and say, you know, we're going to go down there and and, and we're going to be able to handle it. And and they look up and at the end of the first half, they're, they're down a lot. And, and I think I think the things Carolina fans really have to look at is, is how they played in the second half. This team, you got to give them credit. They didn't quit. They could have easily quit, and they came back and, and were within two-point play of, of tying up Georgia Tech. And I know Georgia Tech's not very good, but you also have to look at where State was, you know, and, and how they took them kind of just took them lightly in the first half and played well. So we're going to see that, that team that played in the second half against Georgia Tech, and, and we're going to see a team that – it's going to, it's going to, if any fan thinks that we're just going to go in there and run them out of the gym, I just, they just haven't been around long enough. Uh, last year, you know, they came in eight and two and we were two and eight and, and we took them to overtime. So I just, you know, I hope we just come, you know, I hope we get out there, not a lot of mouthing, not a lot, of, no late hits, no nothing, no fights. Let's just go beat them because if this team, if we can get a couple deep balls and get behind these corners, which are, they're susceptible to the deep ball and get a couple touchdowns up and, and hopefully, that would do. That would that would kind of make it make state say, okay, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go on home. It's been a tough year, injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But we look up in the middle of the third quarter, late third quarter, and it's really close. It's going to be a dog fight, Taylor. You know that as well as I do. And 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 it's going to come down to who's going to make some plays. And quite frankly, we haven't finished out games like that. And we're not very good. We're not good enough to not play. You know, every freaking play like it's our last one. And so hopefully, these guys, we we're the team that has something to play for. So we're the team that needs to be cool. We're the team that needs to be ready to go, and we can't get too high or too low. 
and just go find a way to win a game and get to a bowl game. This North Carolina team, they've had their ups and downs this year, but I think the general sense is that this is still a team that's trending in the right direction. But from his press conference, Mac Brown said, when you lose to a rival, you lose the year. Is that also how you feel for this game? Absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, this year will be a total loss if if if, uh, if we lose NC State. Just, I mean, you know, you get five and seven after starting out two and zero. That's not good. And um, that's just that, that's my opinion. Does that make our future not bright? No way. No, not at all. But it does make this a lost year, I believe, um, because I. On paper right now, we are better than NC State. I think there's some matchups that, that they're better than we are. I think they probably have a little more depth on both sides of the ball. We're probably better, and we're definitely better at quarterback and on the perimeter right now. But uh, this is a game that, that you're favored to win. You're, you you got a fan base that's kind of, you know, divided on on their coaching staff. you got so, some players that are probably doubting, you know, whether they can play. And, and if we give them a chance and, and give them more, you know, momentum going into the third and fourth quarter, it'll be very hard. But I'm one of those ones with I'm with Coach Brown on this. This would be a lost year if we if we couldn't beat NC State. I'm curious to get your opinion on this. Who is a bigger football rival to UNC? Is it Duke or NC State? Because when you played rivalry week was reserved to Duke, but now mm-hmm. that last game is always NC State. Yeah, State. I mean, I I don't think it's Duke. I mean, Duke is, you know, they've beaten us, but everybody's beaten us the last few years. I mean, I, I, there, there's no way, but you, you got to look at the whole history of it and 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 the type of players that, that we both recruit and go after. And, and you know, State's beaten us nine out of 12 years. I just think that that, that right now they're, bigger, they're a bigger rivalry. Um, I just don't I, – I don't see Duke, you know, I mean, anymore. I, I don't know what they have. They're pretty happy, you know, winning six or seven games and, 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 and making a bowl game every once in a while. But – NC State and North Carolina have higher, higher, uh, you know, goals and, and aspirations and, and, and kind of recruit the same type, uh, go after the same type of recruit. So, um, you know, I, I just think that I like, I like the move to State at the end of the year. That doesn't mean I'm going over there on a Saturday night at 7 o'clock. <laughs> but, you know, that place can get crazy. But you never know. Um, I, I do. The, the Duke game is just something about playing in an empty Wallace Wade Stadium at the end of the year just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how that dynamic has changed because when I was playing the first year in 2012, I think we had lost like five straight games to NC State. And that was a big emphasis for Coach Fedora that we have to get back on the right track against this team from Raleigh. And now Carolina, they are coming into this game as an eight-point favorite, but NC State has won four of the last five games between the two. Mm-hmm. What, in your opinion, do you think Carolina has to do to reverse that trend starting on Saturday? Uh, I think I think the number one thing is, is is we've already touched on kind of just try to stay as even killed as possible. You know, coming into this game, it's one thing to get hyped and and know how important it is, but it's another thing to to you know th- you get to jump in a little bit on offensive line, jumping off on side on defense, maybe getting to the ball a little early, maybe a late, late step to the quarterback, st- things like that that can extend drives. Or, or things that can be killers. I, I think the uh, again we talk about it week in and week out. If we can, if we can run the ball, it'll open up. It'll get those linebackers biting up close. And I think we can win one on one matchups on the outside if they have to start stacking the box because we have success in running the ball. But if we can't run on on their front four and they can play seven behind us, then then we're going to struggle um, because they can play zone behind us. And and if we can't get good running yards, then then our offense will bog down a little bit. But 
again, they're going to, I mean, I think I've read something where, you know, they're going to try to shorten the game. They had a lot of success against Georgia Tech in the second half running the ball, and they're going to try to shorten it. So um, we haven't been very good on defense. Let's, let's be fact. Let's, 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 you know, be factual about that. We just haven't been very good on defense. And, and we have got to get some three and outs and, and get some pressure on the quarterback. North Carolina at North Carolina State for the season finale, 7 p.m. kickoff on the ACC Network. Deems, great talking to you, and I'm sure we will have a lot to discuss next week after this game. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.